Blog Talk Radio. This is Danny Pintaro, and you're listening to Pam and Dom. Hello, and welcome to the special edition of Christmas Movie Spotlight. I'm your host, Dawn Mack, and I'm here with my friend, colleague, and host, Pam. Hey, Pam, how are you? I'm Holly Jolly. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm Holly Jolly, too. It's a Holly Jolly Christmas, as they say, right? That's how the song goes, at least. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought I would I would be different and put in the Holly Jolly since for the previous what three seasons that was a bah humbug. So I know. Go. I mean, it's such a it's just such a dramatic change for you. I can't say I've fully gotten uh, used to it yet, but I'm liking it. Um, it's nice to finally see you, Holly Jolly, and not bah humbugish. <laughs> so <laughs> welcome to the good side, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, don't, oh, don't, uh, I gotta, I gotta watch because the, the Grinch gets on, you know, he's on my other shoulder. So, you know, sometimes yeah. he's poking, poking me. But so. you know, and you can watch the Grinch without becoming a Grinch. You do realize that, right? Mm, yeah, I guess, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> so far, so good. So far, so good. And we're about midway through the season. So we're rocking and rolling. If we could just get mm-hmm. to the finish line and you haven't said <laughs> by humbug except jokingly, I think right? that we will have overcome something here you know it took us three seasons but hey four I, get seasons, right? I get a That's prize i get that's right <laughs> you deserve something let me tell you well um today pam and i are so excited to bring you our special interview with the award-winning actor danny pintaro oh my gosh you guys are just going to love hearing him i mean we just had a blast speaking with him he's such a sweetheart um, Danny is starring in a Lifetime's holiday movie, A Country Christmas Harmony, premiering Friday, November 18th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. And we are so excited and honored to bring you our interview with Danny Pintare. Enjoy the show. Hi, Danny. Thanks so much for calling in. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule. Of course. I'm happy to be here. And surprisingly busy schedule. I'm very excited. Well, we're happy. I mean, taking, you know, being busy is the best thing. Sometimes it's nice to relax, of course, but being busy is better. Well, coming back to the business after so long, I just didn't know what to expect for this Christmas movie. And a a bunch of good stuff is coming around. So that's why I'm, I'm particularly happy that I'm as busy as I am. So this is great. Of course. Of course. Well, do you feel being a child actor was enough experience for you to become an adult, an adult actor, or do you feel there's so much more to learn? A little bit of both. I think if you look at it one way, I had a longer career as a child than a lot of adult actors. Um, I don't know if you know the full history, but I started acting when I was just two doing commercials, and then I moved into As the World Turns for a bunch of years. And then Who's the Boss? I'm sorry, and then Cujo, and then Who's the Boss? So from the age of two to 
15, almost 16, I was a nonstop working child actor. And that is generally a little bit longer than some adult actors. Um, so in one way, I've already had more than enough of a career, but I definitely don't feel like I have learned everything I can learn by any means, because there is a big difference between being a child actor who shows up on set and just gets it done and an adult actor who suddenly has so much more to process mentally. I don't know how to explain it. I've always said that as a child, when I, you know, people always say, how did you pull Cujo off? That acting is just uh, truly, I believe that you thought you were going to die. And I always say, I have no idea. Somebody gave me the script. I learned the lines. I understood the storyline and they said action. And I just started screaming like, bloody murder. And I just, I cannot, you can't teach a six-year-old to do that. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it, it's not how that works, right? So I've always said that I, I definitely had sort of the universe guiding me through all of that. There is no other explanation except that I was born with this gift. But as an adult, I feel like I've had to relearn the gift, and I've had to relearn it in many different ways. Um, and I really do feel like I'm just at the beginning of this new journey. So there is a lot to learn. I'm excited. Well, I recall watching Cujo and seeing you in that movie and thinking to myself, oh, my, that poor child, you know, how he must really think this is happening because, you know, you you automatically assume that it's – you forget that a child is acting, and but when it looks so believable – um, it, mm-hmm. it really was delivered well. And, of course, um, I believe that was one of the first horror-type films that I ever saw. And, you know, you and Dee Wallace, it was just absolutely incredible. Um, Thank you. You know, how that movie was uh, portrayed and just delivered. And um, and it's still one of those movies that stays with me even to this day as because it was so realistic. Um, unlike yeah. other mm-hmm. horror movies, you know, you you could realistically see something like that happen in real life. You, you could you could believe you that could happen to me. Yes, that moment for sure. Right, right. Separates a lot of yeah. Most definitely. Uh, well, and another show that everyone grew to know and love you in is Who's the Boss, and um, <laughs> yes. what just so iconic. I mean, now we can call it an iconic and timeless show. Um, and, you know, just Pam and I were just talking about this before the show, and we were wondering, when you watch yourself in old reruns of Who's the Boss, what, what thoughts go through your mind? Oh, there are a lot of them. And it depends on which season. <laughs> um, yeah. Because the, yeah. First, the first few seasons are really just me being the cutest little kid. And then the later seasons are me being this, like, dumb kid who just does dumb things, you know, sticks his hand in a mustard jar or crashes Tony's car, you know, and um, <laughs> and so when I watch them, I'm instantly sort of transported back to that time. And in the first few seasons, it was, oh, my gosh, I, all I can hear is my New Jersey accent. That's all I can hear when I watch it. If you listen closely to the first season especially – there's a you'll hear me sort of pull out my New Jersey accent every now and then, and it just makes me laugh. Um, but all of those seasons are just oh how cute oh that was so funny oh I love that moment. And in the later ones, I kind of go oh really is that all they could think of to do with my character? 
Um, so it changes as the seasons went on, for sure. Yeah, I mean, but it was it was so great to see everybody on there from being such a young age, and not that they got old, but older, you know, and how everything yeah. changed. But I mean, my gosh, we're we're talking about uh, an extreme change from how sitcoms used to be to how they are now. Yes, I mean, there is no comparison. Do sitcoms even exist anymore? I mean, when what was the last sitcom you watched? Um, it's just a it's a it's a dying art form. Um, but I've always said as well that if we were to do a Who's the Boss reboot, my version of the reboot was actually to take a chance and do a single camera dramedy combination sort of vibe, a little bit like Modern Family, mm, a little bit yeah. like Judith, Judith Likes uh, Transcendent, uh, Transparent, um, somewhere sort of in the middle, because you have the caliber of talent in the cast to be able mm-hmm. to pull off a single camera version of Who's the Boss. And I think it would be just such a twist, you know, that you're not expecting. And because people don't really watch sitcom really anymore, you know, why, why what's the word, stick yourself in the foot? shoot yourself in the foot and, and jump into sitcom when you already know you're losing half of your, you know, viewership because they're like, oh, sitcoms, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, you know? no, I, not me. <laughs> I love oh, sitcoms. Oh, <laughs> I mean, my go-to when I watch TV is a first and foremost comedy. So, and yeah. then it goes from there, rom-coms and the Christmas movies, and then I'll do oh, some, yeah. you know, like, movies of the week kind of thing, you know, but definitely comedy is because the world we live in, we need comedy. So, you know, absolutely for sure. (laughs) Oh no, there's no doubt. And that's why Christmas movies are so unbelievably popular because it really is a chance to escape from everyday life and live vicariously through someone else for sure. Right. And, And before we discuss your Christmas movie, I have to bring up the quarantine bunch. I mean, I just was laughing so hard. You were in that along with Keith Coogan, Dean McDermott, Jeremy Miller, Judy Norton, Scott Schwartz, and Melissa Disney. I mean, everybody, of course, that we remember in my generation when I'm growing up. Yeah. Um, Would you share a little bit with our listeners on who came up with this and what it's about for those who haven't seen it? Yeah, I had a blast. Oh, my gosh. I had such a good time working on that. Uh, Melissa Disney's husband uh, is who initially approached me with the idea. And he'd already had a couple of the, I think Keith was already involved, um, maybe Dean. I can't remember who was already involved. Maybe Jeremy. I think Jeremy Miller was already involved uh, when I came aboard. And I just thought it was such a neat idea because what, so the basic premise is, is there's a group of child celebrities who get together every week for therapy, sort of group therapy, kind of like AA for child celebrities. And the pandemic hits, and we don't have access to getting together in person, and someone has the bright idea to just do a Zoom version of the weekly meeting. And it's just the funniest thing, because what what you don't get, and this is one of the things that I thought was so unique about it, is you, you're like, so all seven or eight of us, however many, were on screen at the same time for a lot of it, right? So while someone's talking, you can still watch the Zoom screen 
of all of the rest of us. And so there's this really fun, half of the comedy is just watching the other people's faces as someone's speaking. Um, you know, in TV and film, generally, you only get to do that when the director or the cinematographer decides to cut to that person to get a reaction, right? But in this case, you just had this glorious screen of all of these wonderful child stars being comedic geniuses, having such a good time. Like, any time Dean McDermott spoke in that voice, we all had the hardest time keeping a straight face. And um, watching Jeremy Miller try to do that play uh, about uh, Abraham Lincoln, I think it was Lincoln, right? Um, yeah. And just how just terrible it was. And watching all of our faces just try so hard not to let anyone see that we thought it was as terrible as it actually was. It was so funny. I enjoyed it immensely. Uh, we I'm telling you. You yes, I I am putting in my demand right now for okay. more. I'm I'm talking to Ryan and, so and Melissa now. I will. Oh my gosh! And what yeah, was that? Was, the girl's name that was obsessed on um, the stranger that would just pop in the Zoom was her name Debbie. Oh, I think Debbie, her character uh, Debbie from Debbie from Encino. Yes, Inf- yes. Is what oh her my name was. gosh. And that's oh. Melissa. You know, that's Melissa. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm she, saying her character, yeah, that character, I think, was Debbie. Debbie, yeah. yeah. Uh, so silly and just such a unique moment. And you'll never see anything like it again because we've moved past the pandemic and we don't really have mm-hmm. to do Zoom anymore. And it's just not as big of a draw as actual, you know, film and television. So it is something that is going to be encapsulated in that time period. Yeah. Um, you know. Even if we tried to do more, it would be hard to believe us because we could be in person again, right? So, yeah, yeah why absolutely. Are we still doing the Zoom version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pam, were you gonna say something? I was just gonna say that things are still being done online, so you know, I, it, it's not anything that we, you couldn't get away with. So, oh, for sure, yeah. And there's a lot of great stuff on YouTube that just never makes it officially to film, to actual, the screen. Um, that is really terrific. Um, and that was before the pandemic, pandemic as well. It's a great venue for people who haven't been able to, you know, pull together these magnificent careers to still show off their wonderful scripts and directing and these great actors. There's so much out there. Yeah. Well, and speaking of magnificent careers, you have definitely been a testament to that. And, you know, you've been in front of the camera all of your life. Have you ever given any thought to being behind the camera, doing any directing, producing, writing, that sort of thing? Yeah. You know, actually, I went to Stanford um, to be – well, I went to Stanford to be a veterinarian. That's what I had wanted to be from the early age of – as far as I could remember. But I went to Stanford and I couldn't pass any of the chemistry or math classes to save my life. My brain is just not wired for any of that. And it was mm-hmm. truly devastating because it was what I wanted to do with my life after Who's the Boss. Um, so I left Stanford for a bit and went back to L.A. and I thought, well, maybe I'm just supposed to be an actor. And I thought after about six weeks, I was like, what am I doing? Like, this is Stanford University. Take the opportunity to graduate from this prestigious school. So I went back to Stanford, and I was actually a directing focus in the drama major with a minor in English. So that was actually what I did at Stanford was direct uh, theater. 
And I moved to New York directly after Stanford to try to continue that career as a theater director. Uh, unfortunately, I was not successful at all and was going through a lot of stuff. So I ended up falling back into trying to be an actor again, and that didn't work either. So um, I would love to get back into that, and I would love to take advantage of that. It'll take some time, I think, once I can establish my name again and sort of get people to realize I still know what I'm doing. But um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'll yeah. there. The other thing I've done uh, for the last three years in Austin, right before we moved here, uh, is teach. I've been teaching film and television acting for many years in Austin, and, man, I absolutely love that. Mostly, uh, like, sixth grade to twelfth grade uh, kids, and I just love every moment of it. Um, this past summer, I did this wonderful summer camp, and every student got to have, like, a little aha moment with wow. some of the stuff I teach that's just unique and that they would never sort of think of. And it, I just love it so much. Yeah, that's very sweet. I love that. Um, you always have to pay it forward. And what advice mm-hmm. did you get when you were younger that you've passed on to the younger actors? Uh, you know, the honest answer is that I don't often recommend to any of my students that they try to get into the career of being an actor. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just so it's just so much and you know, you're hard-pressed to find any child actor that comes out of it without some some trauma of some kind. Um, and the business has changed so much as well that it's become so much more about, you know, your social media and who you know and where, you know, what parties and events you're going to, as opposed to when I was young, I would show up to an audition and I would just, you know, do a terrific job and get the gig. Um, you know, now it's a matter of, well, he did a great job, but how many viewers or how many subscribers does he have on mm-hmm. TikTok or what have you? And so I, that's one of the reasons it's taken me so long to get back to the business in a way, because I just, I never learned how to do that because I never had to. Number one, none of that existed when I, mm-hmm. most of the times I've tried to be an actor. Um, and number two, I just, it's disheartening because, you know, so many of these wonderful actors just never get as far as they could because they only have, you know, such small numbers of uh, followers on Instagram. Um, so I say to them generally that if it's something you're truly passionate about to stick with graduating from college, but being maybe a drama major or finding something else that you really enjoy, maybe English, a major in English, something, so that you have that to fall back on. And if after college or through your experience in college, you still decide that acting is something you really want to do, then let it be. Um, because then you've got your, you know, your, your education to fall back on. That is so important. And that is great advice. And, you know, and, and you made a really good point. It is a sad day when, you know, the entertainment industry is now reliant on what social media, what someone has for their social media likes yeah. and follows to determine yeah. their worth as an actor or their gifts and talents as an actor. Um, because, you know, once upon a time, none of that existed and yep. people were going for auditions. They were getting hired left and right. And now it's sad that that has to be a contingent and a, you know, contingency component to all of that. Uh, because I yeah. think we're missing out on seeing some great, talented 
individuals that, you know, aren't getting the breaks because they don't have enough of a social media platform, yet – Absolutely. If they were cast in a show or a movie, their social media would explode overnight. <laughs> right? It's a movie that you yeah. It's a circle. It's like it's, it would come. A, I mean, so an unbreakable circle. Yeah, it's right, so true. Right. That's well, definitely been I, a part of this new journey. Yeah, I had to yeah. months before I really sort of committed to being an actor. I thought, gosh, I, I have no social media following whatsoever. I don't even know how to do this. And I really had to teach myself, and, and I've managed to garner some of a presence, but, like, not even close to any of the sort of people who are getting hired. Yeah, no fun. Well, I can I can honestly tell you that Pam and I are just – we were so thrilled when we found out that you were going to be in a country Christmas harmony. One, because um, we loved seeing you years ago on television, and you were always just brilliant in whatever you did. And so we were like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. We, we get to see you back on screen. And, um, of course, that's going to air on Lifetime this holiday season. Um, so what can you share – about the movie without giving too much away. And what was it like being a part of this movie? Well, the most exciting part about being a part of the movie was it, it was my very first audition after more than 12 years. Mm. Uh, technically, the last time I was – if you don't count this small little co-star I had about 12 years ago on uh, a, a TV show. What was that? Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of what it was called. Uh Anyway, I did this little tiny little co-star. If you don't count that, the last time I really was on television was 30 years ago was Who's the Boss? Mm -hmm. So I make this decision to get back into the business. Uh, my manager says, hey, we've got your first audition, and I land the job, literally. Right. Um, that moment was so gratifying and really made me feel like I was making the right decisions. It was kind of like I had this moment where the – I felt like the universe was like, oh, well, we've been waiting for you to be ready. You're ready? Oh, you're ready? Okay, here, have this. You know, it really felt like that. And um, so I was incredibly grateful. And then I read more of the script and was even more excited because one of my goals in getting back to the business was that I see these wonderful characters, normal, everyday Joe but really fleshed out gay characters. Uh, one of my favorite shows in, is uh, Star Trek Discovery, and the relationship that um, Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz have on there is so fleshed out and so beautiful. There's nothing caricature about it at all. And knowing that those are out there was what really drew me back to the business. And this character that I play in A Country Christmas Harmony is exactly that. He is real. He is smart. He's uh, heartfelt. He's interesting. There's a whole sort of uh, second storyline going on with him and his husband. And it's just, it's so nice. I'm really excited for everyone to see it. It's really great. Yeah, I, I say the same thing as Dawn. I mean, when she said, you know, we're excited to see you in this, she's speaking for both of us. Um, we just <laughs> can't wait. Um, it's going to be a great cast and a great movie. Um, Christmas time, like they said, is the escapism. There's nothing like it, you know, when you get to do this for, well, you get to do it in July when they have Christmas in July. <laughs> you get to do it from November through December, you know, so it's, it's a, a great time of the year. That's for sure. Absolutely. Now, with, 
We have a couple of fun things to do before we wrap up here. So my last question to you is going to be, what was your first car and what tales would it tell? Oh, well, uh, so I had a, um, well, the first car that I drove, because, you know, before I could drive, I had cars that I owned because I had money uh-huh. to buy them. But I don't count those. I, the first car that I bought that I could drive was a white Jeep. Um, and it had the sort of plastic uh, back part that you could take off. You, mm-hmm. you know, that, that mm-hmm. material. I don't even think they do that anymore. Do they still make them with that plasticky material? I don't um, know. <laughs> and, and I had this, um, I had this really silly, um, I don't even know if I can say it, but I had this license plate frame that said, back off butt nugget. No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. I don't even know why. I don't even know. I saw it at a store, and I just thought it was so funny. It is. Um, <laughs> But the only thing I truly remember about that car, the only story that it would honestly tell, is that someone um, sliced through the plastic window and stole my 10-CD changer thing that I had in the back, and that was really upsetting, unfortunately. Oh, oh man. Yeah. That's a bummer. I know. Maybe that's why they don't make the plastic windows anymore. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how successful anyone would be um, in not having items stolen from the vehicles with that. But, um, you know, in, in today's world, it's it just as crazy as it is. Um, but nonetheless, yeah. I'm, I'm still digging the license plate. That is cool. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I was like, you know what? That's so original, so but yet so funny and so comical. And, and anyone that pulls a, was pulling up behind you, I mean, that would just be, you couldn't help but laugh, you know? I would say so, yeah. Good for a chuckle. Unfortunately, for sure. I think, uh, the, you know, I wasn't very popular, and all the popular kids thought I was really lame. So when I drove to school with that, all they started doing was making fun of my license plate. But I thought it was Aww. so funny, and I didn't Aww. understand why they didn't think it was funny either. Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. They don't I know. have a sense of humor. None at all. I, you know, bullies well, never have a sense of humor. <laughs> well, before we wrap up, we like to play a little uh, five-question lightning round. It is all Christmas-related. There are no wrong answers. Okay. And um, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, so the first question is, what is your favorite Christmas tradition? Um, the, every Christmas at midnight, the night before on Christmas Eve, is when we actually open all of our gifts. And for the last bunch of years, it has been with our very best friends in Austin who come over and we exchange gifts and we play board games and have some wine and listen to Christmas music. So for us, that is... Uh, the ideal Christmas Eve. Um, and then Christmas Day, we just chill and relax. That sounds like my kind of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day as well. Um, get it done. Just get it very, done. So very, very relaxed, relaxed right? indeed. Um, <laughs> that's right. So what is your favorite Christmas song? Uh, you know, I have this wonderful station on Pandora that uh, I, I didn't create it, so you can go and find it. Uh, and it is a glorious collection of 
old-time Christmas music, and mm. I highly recommend it. It's called the Andrews Sisters Holiday Station. Oh. And what I love about it is it's all of these wonderful songs that have just gotten lost over the years um, that are just really great Christmas songs. And it's like, you know, every third song is one that you recognize, but all the rest are these lovely songs by, you know, Dean Martin and the Andrew Sisters and all these random folks. And I just, it takes me back to a different time. And Mm -hmm. also I've learned so much about what Christmas music used to be. You know, nowadays we listen to the same 10 songs over and over again. That's right. Um, But if you check out that channel on Pandora, it has just some really beautiful stuff. And every one of them, I'm like, why don't we listen to this anymore? This is a terrific song. Yeah, uh, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, some of my favorite Christmas music is the vintage, you know, music yeah. that you don't hear on regular radio airplay this time of year. And if you hear it, you've got to go to a Pandora station or, you know, pull from YouTube or wherever your music sources are at to try to find that type of music. And um, and it's, it is timeless, and it's a shame that it, you don't hear it everywhere like you do all the other 10 yeah. songs. Um, because it is some of the best Christmas music. It, it kind of is what made me love Christmas music was hearing it as a as a small child and just, you know, growing up, and, and that has always been my favorite as well. Um, yeah. Well, we're going to move from music to movies. So what is your favorite Christmas movie? Uh, probably, oh, gosh, I'm not going to be able to tell you the name. Oh, the one where the guy goes up to the door with the sign uh, and – you know, says, I know you can't, like, don't speak, just tell him. It was a British Christmas movie. Oh, what is it called? Do you know, do you oh, recognize You got this, me I, on that one. I'm not sure. Don, does that Yeah, I'm a little, uh, I'm stumped too. Uh, I, but uh, now it makes me uh, want to go watch it. I can tell you that. I yeah. figure out what it is. <laughs> let me, let, I'm literally going to do this and we can, um, we can, like, cut this part out, maybe. Okay. British Christmas movies, just so that we're not taking up the time. No, um, fine. And let's see if I can find it. Because it is so good. Uh, no, not that The one. only thing British I one. watch is Mr. Bean, because I love him. <laughs> oh, I love Mr. Bean. Okay, it's called Love Actually. Oh. My favorite Christmas movie is called Love Actually from 2003. And the cast is... Dunning. You've got Hugh Grant. Um, mm-hmm. You've got um, the, I mean, just the whole cast. But there's this great moment. This one guy, he's in love with his best friend's wife. Not the greatest storyline, but he goes up to her door with these signs and just tells her, like, uses his finger to say, shh. And he just shows her these signs and says, I truly love you, but I understand there's nothing we can do. So enjoy this holiday. Oh, it's just so sad and heartbreaking. Oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> it's so wonderful. And then the – go on. No, I was just going to say I'm going to have to watch this now. This this sounds wonderful. I actually watched really, that many years ago, but I, I, when you said British, it just threw me off. You know, because it's been so yeah. long, but I'll have to catch it again. It's so good. And just the way they intertwine all the storylines is what really makes it so great. Um, yeah, for sure. I also love that one with uh, um, She Was in Pretty Woman. Uh, Julia Roberts. Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts. Um, 
that one's also really good. Not specifically Christmas. That's more of a love story. But they have this wonderful section that's all about Christmas where they do this single shot where he's walking down a street. And the camera follows him through this street in London. And as they're moving along, all four seasons happen. Mm-hmm. And it's no CGI. It's literally just the way they set up this entire street was it changes slowly from season to season as he walks through. It's genius filmmaking. Notting Hill is that movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, um, next question anyway. is hot toddy or hot chocolate? <laughs> uh, hot toddy, but I prefer um, like a wine, like a mold wine. That is my very favorite thing, mm-hmm. mold wine. Mm. And last but not least, white lights or colored lights? Why not both? That's right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best of both worlds right there. And so many of the lights nowadays, you can do both, right? You just press That's a button right. and it switches between them. So yep. <laughs> if you're feeling like white lights one day, do it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and when you have all these Christmas trees that come pre-lit, you know, just click yeah, the button mm-hmm. and you can get any color you want. So that works for me. Oh, absolutely. You, we were, were all too young, but there was a time when candles, when they used actual candles on Christmas yes. trees. How did yes. they do that? I don't know. I don't know how there wasn't a billion more fires. I mean, thank God, I mean, but, you know. Whose bright idea is it to put a candle on a dried-out Christmas tree? I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> but, Danny, I want to say thank you from Dawn and I for joining us today. We had a blast speaking with you, and we'd welcome you back anytime. We are going to love Great. your Christmas movie, and we want to wish you and your family a happy and blessed holiday. Oh, thank you, and to yours as well. It's going to be a wonderful season, I think. We all could use just some good, beautiful, interesting movies to watch, and we're about to have a whole bunch of those. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. We can't hardly wait. Yes, exactly. I can't either. I can't wait to hear the final versions of the song. Our our Christmas movie has four original songs in it, uh, sung by Brooke Elliott and Brandon. Uh, and Brandon. So, I'm really looking forward to hearing those. Oh, oh wow. yeah. That's going to be great. Yeah, she's a terrific singer, so. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, we'll go. We've, we followed you on social media, so now you've risen to the highest stars. So we will, uh, <laughs> we will <laughs> talk again. <laughs> have a great night and a great weekend. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you, and happy holidays. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Danny. Sure. Hey, guys, don't leave us yet. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Christmas Movies. That's X-M-A-S-M-U-V-I-E-S. And also like our Facebook page at Christmas Movie Spotlight. Don't forget that's spelled M-U-V-I-E-S. And follow us on Instagram at Christmas Movie Spotlight. And don't forget to check out our website, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. That's movies with M-U-V-I-E-S, ChristmasMovieSpotlight.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>